0: Welcome to the Summit Soccer Podcast. We'll be talking every Tuesday about the latest issues in women's football from the FA Women's Super League, FA Women's Premier League, FA Women's Cup, Conti Cup, International Football, Champions League, you name it, we'll be discussing it. We'll also be talking about men's football from the FA Premier League, Football League and Non-League. Also, discussions about development in boys' and girls' football. I'm Andy Burgess, a former Russian and diamonds midfielder, and I'm delighted to say I'll be joined on a weekly basis by my two co-hosts, Helen Ward and Harry Jennings. Helen is, of course, the all-time leading goalscorer in Welsh football history, and has recently signed for FA Women's Super League One newcomers, Yeovil Town. Harry Jennings is an American based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, linked with Hotspur FC, an encyclopedia of football knowledge. We are the Summit Soccer Podcast, and we hope you enjoy Okay, so here we are, episode one of the Summit Soccer podcast. Good evening, Helen. Good evening. Good evening, Harry. How are we both?
1: Uh, we're doing okay here in the very cold uh, northeastern United States.
0: Good, good, good. And I'm doing
2: very well here, despite the weather not being quite as nice as Cyprus.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not, but uh, obviously... Talking of Cyprus, obviously just back from the Cyprus Cup, Helen, win a winner, draw, a defeat, a penalty shootout, lost to Scotland on finals day. I think it's goal number 42 from you on a personal note. Uh, moving you 14 clear now, I think, of Ian Rush. What was the tournament like from both your point of view and uh, as a country?
2: Yeah, it was really positive. Um, we obviously started off really well with the win over um Hungary which was nice because we lost them last year in a game that we felt we should have done better in um but we're really positive about how it was we only conceded one goal in the in the four games we played and that goal we were pretty disappointed with but as it goes you know there's a lot of development for our younger players the the game against Scotland I think we ended up with a 15 year old on the pitch a 16 year old two or three 18 19 year old so in terms of that, the, the the progress we've made is really good and Scotland actually did the opposite to us and ended up putting some of their more experienced players on towards the end of the game. So for them to hold on and, and, and get the nil-nil um, was brilliant and some of the kids that st- stepped up to take penalties as well was really good and although we ended up uh, losing out, there there were some really good kicks taken and, and the guts they showed... Uh, to put their hand up and take one in the first place was really good. So, yeah, we're we're happy with how it went. Obviously, disappointed with the defeat to Ireland, but overall, in in terms of the teams we played against, they're all ranked above us apart from Hungary. So, we've done as well as we as well as we or other people would expect, even if we haven't quite got as many victories as we'd have hoped for.
0: Was it was it a good sort of learning curve as a squad in terms of bedding in the new players and everything? Was it obviously away from the pitch? Did it did it all go to plan?
2: Yeah, it was good. It was a, It's a really good opportunity, obviously, being away for so long. you know, I think we were together for 12 days in total, and as I said, with the youngsters that were coming through, some of them, it was their first proper camp with us, so it was nice to introduce them into senior international football, and we had a couple of things off the pitch that we did to keep ourselves entertained that, that really worked well in terms of team bonding. There was a, a court system in place where people get fined for various oh, things, that. but it was mm-hmm. it, it was good fun. Obviously, I was a judge, so I wasn't into any sort of sanctions. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what happens when you get to thirty; you get to pull rank. Yeah, um, senior, but no, it was really well. good, and and by the end of it, everybody had, had gelled really well, and and we're really looking forward to the next sort of
0: six to twelve months to to see where we can go. Fantastic. Well, what about personally? I know you obviously missed the last game um, with with a with a slight knot, wasn't it? Um, but in terms of the tournament in general,
2: yeah, I was I was pleased. Obviously, it was nice to get a goal in that first game. It wasn't my best finish, but they all they count. count. Um, oh, it
0: was a great finish. It was a great <laughs> finish.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make them to do
0: Don't it. Worry about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um But no, it was it was good. It was good, obviously, to get match fitness at this stage in the season. I haven't had a lot of football lately, which is mm. probably why I, why I wasn't able to play in that last game. But you know, it gave an opportunity. To, to as I said some of the younger players and, and they stepped up and did really well but generally pretty pleased with, with how I played and, and really encouraged by what I you know, what I see saw as a, a team in general
0: Superb so who stood out in terms of the Welsh squad um, sort of the youngsters coming through was, was there anybody who was particularly good
2: Yeah there was a, a girl called Georgia Evans who plays for Bristol she was involved in the squad quite a few years ago now but she's still only 22, I believe um, and she came on in the first three games and made a good impact, started the last one and ended up being our player of the match which speaks volumes, she's got a lot of confidence but she's she's happy to learn and, and she's playing with the likes of Jess Fishlock in the, in the midfield which is obviously going to do wonders for her so she stood out, um, obviously I mentioned we had a couple of 15 and 16 year olds Amina Vine who also plays at Bristol, she She's got a, a great career ahead of her. She's a young defender with, you know, guts that any player would be pl- proud to have. She's got a lot about her, and she's not scared to play against people in my, you know, two, twice her age. Um, and then there's young Bronwyn Thomas, who, who plays for Brighton. She's had a few league starts in the WSL two already this year. And you go again at 16. She's got a, a big future ahead of her. She's a very accomplished midfielder already, and she's only going to get better.
0: So the future is bright for the uh, for the dra- for the dra- dragonesses.
2: Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, definitely, you know the way that they're developing, and and the good thing for them is that in the in the youth aid groups in the 17s and 19s they're playing under the same coaches in yeah. Jane and rianne who who manage the senior team. So the pathway is really good. They know exactly what's expected of them at every level they play at, and and the way we play is pretty similar throughout. So it's it's great yeah. for them to be on that pathway in. And able to step into the seniors without too many problems.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It is, it, when when it's built up from the, you know, throughout throughout the ages like that, it makes it so much easier for the transition for the players when they go from you know 17s, 19s, 23s, whatever, and they're moving it. You know, it's not foreign to them that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're aware of how the manager wants them to play. It's fantastic that it's uniformed all the way through. And I think from an international, you know, setup, I think that's how it's got to be. You know, it might take a while for it to be implemented from the outset, but you know, from what it sounds like, it's 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 happening and it's working. And to have you know, 15, 16, 17-year-olds in the squad, um, obviously learning from the likes of yourself and Jess uh, Fishlock and you know the senior players who have been there and done it, it's fantastic. And it it really sounds really positive at the moment. What's happening in in Welsh football, and um, and long may it continue. I think I, I love obviously that that someone you know has got the job who has played so long at the top level as well, and has got so much respect. And I'm sure the players have got that respect for Jane, you know, having done what she did for, you know, in her personal career for for Arsenal and won so much there. And there must, I mean, obviously there's nobody else better to ask this question to Helen, but obviously she must command a massive respect from the players um, when she walks in a room.
2: Yeah, of course, you know, she's got that, that fear factor about her, if you like everybody's, a little bit wary of her, um not that we let her talk about her trophies and her successes mm. too much no, no. um as much as she'd love to, but um no she of course she's she's done amazing things in her career club wise she she won everything she, that was there to win for arsenal yeah, captain captain the team um on many occasions as well, so she was you know what kind of a leader she is and and obviously she got sixty odd caps for Wales at a time where it wasn't quite as good as it is now. Um, they had a period where they, they didn't have any fixtures and, you know, so she's seen the ups and very much show the downs in Welsh football. So her determination to, to put those things right is is there for us all to see. But no, she does definitely command respect from, from every single player in the squad and, you know, from those that have played with her to, to the younger players that haven't known her for quite so long. We're all aware of, of what she's done and you can't help but but respect everything that she achieved in her career
0: fantastic um good times ahead then for the, for the welsh and, and uh i'm sure you'll be a massive part of that um obviously elsewhere across the globe over in america there was a, a a little game going on or a tournament i suppose the um she believes cup um england beat usa 1-0 harry explain
1: uh the the english just play better football uh uh these days uh the the americans uh uh, I no, I didn't see the uh, I didn't see the match, but uh, mm. the the quality of the American athlete is still uh, is still, you know, second to none uh, in the world. But just the uh, the, uh, the 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 nowuse, the the understanding of the game that uh, that uh, some of the uh, European players have uh, is, is really well beyond what the uh, what the Americans are able to put together now as mm. the uh, uh, uh as a as a squad, uh, even though the Americans did win the uh, the last world cup, they were it they they bullied their way through it. Uh, it's a little bit of a flat uh, flat track bully. Uh, but uh, you do see that changing now as some of the uh, as some of the younger players, the Carly Lloyd well Carly Lloyd's not that young anymore, but uh, Morgan O'Brien coming into the squad where they they are players that can that that can play the game and that's uh but right now the americans are are really. Uh, sort of tactically playing, playing catch up to the rest of the world. Uh, well, not necessarily tactically, but but understanding of the game, uh, decision making. Uh, that
0: uh, uh, there's a little football, bit of naïveté. Sorry, you played to come up, come up against USA.
2: Not at senior level. No, senior level. I played against them at under twenty threes, but I haven't played them at senior level.
0: We, we ask you to remember that far back.
2: <laughs> no, that's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: obviously, Ellen White grabbing the goal in you know, England in 1-0 um, late on. Um, I, I've got the last sort of half an hour of that, and I watched England play against Germany as well. Um, Germany, I mean, Germany were fantastic. England started well um, and got a little bit of joy early on, but Germany probably flexed the muscle a little bit and came back into it as the game went on. And But, but as you say, Harry, England are looking a lot better. Um, they've, they've very much got a style of play, which they... Um, Chaseu and they've um, got some, you know, very good influential players for me. Having watched the games, Lucy Bronze is outstanding at the moment for England. She's a, I mean, I mean she, for me to pick her out in front of probably anybody else in the squad at the moment for uh, playing right back probably speaks volumes. I think she's athletically unbelievable. She's good going forward. She's a good defender. Um, you know, for me, I think she's probably the pick of the bunch at the moment in the England squad. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Helen?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think she's, over the last few years, she had a lot of injuries to overcome um, in the earlier stages of her career. But to come those serious injuries as well, um, she's done fantastically well. And she's definitely the sort of player you want in and you don't want to come up against her. She's quick. She's strong. She's technically very good. She's got a good head on her shoulders. She's a talker. So definitely one of the standout players. And I think that's... so sort of you see that when you see Team of the Year and World Player of the Year shortlists and and things like that, she's always there with thereabouts and and that says everything you need to know about her as a player. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, be, it's going to be interesting. the Euros. I mean, England beating France as well in the in the Cup as well. So we are in a good place. I think we're probably if you look at world football at the moment. We're probably on the second tier. Um, uh, I think you know we're just probably tucked in behind the likes of Germany. But I don't think we're far off it. Um, I think there are one or two little things we need to be better at, and uh, be a little bit more streetwise and game. management be a little bit better at times. But, um, but uh, you know, like Wales, I think you know the future's bright, and the players seem to be to be happy with Mark Sampson. Um, is Mark somebody you know, Helen? Have you ever ever, ever come across him in your career?
2: I've only played against teams that he's managed, uh, like when he was at Bristol. But I, I've, a lot of the girls who played under him also played for Wales. So I've, I've heard bits and bobs about him and, and his style of management. And he seems to be a guy that can get the best out of a team. I mean, he led Bristol to unbelievable heights in WSL and yeah, Champions League yeah. qualification and things like that. And, and that's not easy to do at a club. That at the time, was an independent club. It wasn't funded by a men's club. You know, they didn't have all the superstar players. So, from what I've heard, he's he's a good guy, and he and he and he gets the best out of his players, and and that's shown. In the results he's had since he took over with England, I think their biggest thing is goal scoring. Mm. It's the hardest thing to to do in football, and especially international. As we found in the last in the Cyprus Cup, we only scored the two goals in the first game. It's a tough thing to do, but if they can crack that, then they've they've certainly got a chance in the Euros and and in World Cups and big competitions in the future.
0: It must be hard. If you scored forty two of them. Yeah, it's really <laughs> hard. <laughs> No, fantastic. No, good times, good times. Scotland and, and Ireland and, you know, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland as well, are, uh, you know, seeing their results over the last few days in tournaments and things as well, uh, last couple of weeks in tournaments as well. Um, they're, they're, You know, they're, they're looking like they're progressing as well. So, you know, all the home nations um, are looking in, in, in fine fettle, shall we say. Um, we're going to take a short break now, and when we're back, we're going to have a quick round-up of men's football Um Premier League, FA Cup, everything that's happening up and down country. And we're back uh, with part two of the Summit Soccer Podcast, um, our first ever one. Thank you for joining us. Uh, i just going to talk a little bit now about um, the male game um, of football, having spoken about uh, the female side of things a moment ago. I'm um, going to start with um, the, uh, the FA Cup this weekend, quarterfinals. Um, Arsenal. Oh, I think Harry, you probably know my feelings about Arsenal and Mr. Uh, Arsene Wenger. Um, hmm. And probably a lot of people who know me uh, probably understand that, uh, or probably know that I think he's probably a little bit outdated. But um, your, your thoughts, guys, and obviously you know they they beat beat, uh, beat Lincoln at the weekend quite con- convincingly um, into the semi-final of the FA Cup. Will, will that be enough for Arsenal fans to um, to hold on to Mr. Wenger for a bit longer?
1: I think for Arsenal fans, they it, it it's about time for them to hope that maybe it doesn't. Uh, that uh, and I think that uh, with everything he's done for the club, and it and it has been it has been massive. Uh, he's uh, uh, he's he has personally won something like four percent of all of the the trophies that have been given to uh, uh, major trophies that have been given to clubs uh, since uh, World War One. Uh, and he, he hadn't been, a long, been around since World One, but sometimes it seems like it. But um, uh, if he can win the FA Cup, then maybe that gives him the mental space that he can say, I retired with the FA Cup and, and uh, Arsenal can open the next chapter, which is not necessarily going to be easy for that club, as Manchester United seeing after uh, Alex Ferguson left that uh, when you have a legendary manager like that, uh, but, but finding Harry, the right time to, the time to go. Alex
0: Ferguson Time to go. Alex Ferguson on winning the Premier League. Alex Ferguson built. Alex Ferguson didn't have twelve years of mediocrity and then, or, or or twelve years of winning trophies and then twelve years of mediocrity and finishing fourth in the league. Ferguson won year after year after year after year. Uh,
1: and very Key did not stay around. Uh, didn't stay around too long. No. Uh, and I think uh, I think we I think you certainly uh, are of the mind, and I tend to agree with you that uh that Wenger has stayed on too long that he could not build another an, another great team after the uh, uh after the success of the middle of last decade mm.
0: Helen a former Arsenal player your thoughts
2: Yeah I have to agree with the with the two of you I I think it's probably time he goes but as Harry said it's it's not going to be an easy job for anyone to step into and I can see another couple of years at least of Arsenal trying to find their feet should he go, um, you know, akin to Man United, as, as you said. I don't think it'll be easy, but I just think even if they do win the FA Cup, I'm not sure that's enough. They haven't won a Premier League in, I can't even tell you how many years it is now, but it's, it's too long for a club of Arsenal's stature and, and every season they're filled with hope and they start off fantastically and you expect them to go on this long run of games where they win and win and you know they don't lose, but it's not happening at the moment, and I think it's gone on too long. And the, there seem to be more and more of the Arsenal fans in the in Wenger out camp mm-hmm. than ever before. And, and maybe it's just time for him to, to bite the bullet and, and say his good say his, his goodbyes.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I start, I'm not going to stop. But um, you know, I, I just, I just, he's so stubborn, he's so set in his ways. For me, I think he's holding back a magnificent football club from. Winning things, um, I don't buy into at all. Buy into this balancing the books nonsense. It's not his job to do that. Um, you know, other clubs have spent money more money than they've got and less money than they've got as a football club. One thing. So for me, that's a nonsense. It's an it's a, it's an absolute point And I, and I think it's he's high, he's high hidden behind that fact for far too long now. Um, and I think I think telltale sign maybe that he said he'd come out in the press and said that he, he was looking to. Or he'll take into consideration the fans' protests when he makes his decision, whether he stays or goes. And I think that might be a little sign that he he's going because the protests, as you say, Helen, are you know, becoming, you know, more uh, vocal and, and more evident from, from all different sort of sides from the Emirates. So we shall see. But uh, a good result, obviously. Mm-hmm. That you know, we look at the FA Cup semi-final and you know, City, Arsenal, Spurs, and Chelsea, are the four that make up the semi-final, and people say the FA Cups. Finished. People say the FA Cup's not what bo- boiled about it anymore, and the biggest four clubs are in, in, in the semi final
2: Yeah, I think that's huge. To be honest, you know, when you look at earlier rounds and people were complaining about Premier League teams taking on, um, uh, putting out weakened sides, should I yeah. say? But it's great that the likes of Lincoln and Sutton, Millwall, got to the stage. But in the end, as you said, that the four informed teams if you like, or maybe discounting Arsenal from that, but four of the biggest teams in, in the country are the ones that make up the um the semi finals, which I'm just watching on the telly now. It is Chelsea against Tottenham and Arsenal and Manchester City in the semifinals. For Who is yeah.
1: who's <laughs>
0: it? Yeah. Well how's that
2: eh? Chelsea, Chelsea Tottenham, Chelsea Arsenal Tottenham. Man City.
0: Wow. Oh, so a couple yeah. of tasty
2: games in there. So
0: common um, predictions. Who's gonna mm-hmm. win it?
2: I'm going to say Tottenham City final,
0: City Tottenham. to win. Tottenham City, City to win. Okay, Harry.
1: Uh, Chelsea, and I'm not sure, but I think Chelsea. Uh, I, I think Chelsea win. I think Chelsea. Uh, I think Chelsea will uh, take a take a one nil over uh, over Tottenham. Um, and uh, from the other side, I'm. Uh, I. I'd, I think I'd have to lean towards City right now, but that should that should be a very interesting uh, that should be a very interesting match. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we'll see a little bit about Winger at that uh, in that match. Are they going to play? Uh, are they going to play the open possession style, or are they going to to really, you know, settle down and try to actually win the game, not try to set, play City's game against uh, against Pep Guardiola? Harry, you are
0: going to win the FA Cup.
1: I say Chelsea. <laughs>
0: Thank you. That's all I asked. How about you, Andy? Um, my prediction is Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I think with or good.
2: without Harry Kane?
0: Um, oh, yeah, good point. Well,
2: yeah, good I've point. just thought of that after yeah. I made my prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a great point. Um, I'm still going Tottenham Hotspur. I'll still go with Tottenham. I'd still, I, think, I think they're due a win of something. Um, and I, I like them and I want them to, to do well. Um, but I think it'd be tough to get past Chelsea. I think it'd be very tough to get past Chelsea. Do you know if they win it, they'll deserve to win it. So, yeah, so I'm absolutely. Gonna, I'm, I'm going with Tottenham Hotspur. So, FA Cup uh, hotting up, obviously. Um, move on to the Premier League, and uh, obviously Harry, um, you know your club Liverpool, um, stuttering past Burnley this weekend, one nil down, just before half time when Alden makes it about two one. Where do you think in as Fewer words as Harry Jennings is possible. Uh, Whether you think <laughs> Liverpool is struggling at the moment,
1: Liverpool are struggling against the teams, uh, against teams like Burnley, uh, against the, the teams uh, like Leicester. They uh, uh, the the top teams that come out and play football against Liverpool, Liverpool can steamroll anybody. But they don't have they they don't quite have the cleverness in midfield to break down a side that that sits in. And uh, if you look at the table where Liverpool are dropping points, it's not to the top half of the table. Uh, you, if, if there were only eight teams in the Premier League, uh, Liverpool would be just about home and dry by this point. But there are 20 teams on the table, and those matches that uh, Chelsea comfortably grind out a 1-0 win, even though it might only be a 1-0 or a 2-0, there's no, there's no question who's winning the game. Liverpool find ways to lose those. So uh, Liverpool have to find a plan B uh, to to break down the, the teams that, that sit in and, and play solid, organised defensive football.
0: It's interesting. I think I look at the back, and I say back meaning holding midfielder, moving backwards to the goalkeeper. For me, if you're looking at building another Liverpool side to win the league, five out of them, six, and and a massive question mark for me over the other other one who who played on Saturday on Sunday against Burnley, aren't anywhere near good enough to win you the league in those positions. Chan was useless up until he scored. Uh, Milner's not a left-back, uh, and whilst he's done OK there, um, he's not going to win you the league playing there. The two centre-halves aren't good enough, anywhere near good enough to win you the league. Andre Gray had a field day in the first 40 minutes, um, getting down the side of Clavern. Uh Klein's got a massive... I think he's gone backwards this year. I, I was a big fan of his. I think he's been poor this season. And Minoulay, whilst he can, you know, he's, he's a very good shot stopper. He's got massive question marks um, over the errors that he makes, and and, and that you're not going to win the league with Minoulay, in my opinion. So six of those players, for me, aren't going to win you the league. So is he going to go? Yeah, and, I, what's he, he going to go and replace them all? Or
2: yeah, I have to agree. When you've got more than half your team that aren't good enough to win the league, you, you're struggling. You need you mm. need a team that's given you you know, eight players every week, giving you eights and nines out of 10. And, and they're clearly not having that. And I
0: think but that, I, and I think they haven't heard, really
2: got a number nine. No, um, Mane's done well, but mm-hmm. he needs someone else to help him out with the goal scoring. And is he an out and out, you know, Diego Costa type that's going to score you tapping Jay scores you some pretty good goals and some lovely finishes, but you need someone that's going to score 10 or 15 from inside the six yard box, you know, the striker's goals, if you like, um, so going back to their form, I, I think I heard somewhere that they're actually unbeaten against the teams in the top half of the table, but yet they sit miles behind oh, yeah. mm-hmm. winning the league. So, it, you know, the questions are how they deal with with the teams below them. Um, and in the bottom half, they <laughs> haven't, as Harry said, got that creativity to, to break the teams down that sit in and, and just want to defend. Um, I think so that's obviously massive... something they're going to need yeah. to do.
0: The address. A massive issue is Coutinho at the minute because he's been poor since he came back from injury. Mm. Um, really poor, and he was he was probably the best player, him and Lalana, early in the season, um, and, and Mane, obviously. But Coutinho looks off at the moment. He, I think he, I think for me, I think that Everton and City, the next two games, how massive aren't they for them?
1: Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the 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 improvement of Everton's defense this year. Uh, I believe they've they've conceded. Uh, uh are fourth or fifth in uh in goals conceded this year where you know last year under martinez they were uh 17th maybe and they sold a they sold us under half for 50 million so you, that's that's really speaking volumes for what Cumin has done there uh, are are everton going to uh going to sit back and and if they do uh again does does klopp have a have a different way to play which uh uh you know, can he bring the creativity of Coutinho back into the midfield instead of having him on the front line and have the energy of Lallana up top? Uh, can can they make those adjustments to uh, to to unlock a a solid defense that's well organized like Everton?
0: I think what's indicative of Liverpool at the moment is the fact that they're missing Jordan Henderson and Jordan Henderson's a captain. I think that tells you volumes about Liverpool Football Club at the moment because you can file Jordan Henderson next to the Arsene Wenger. Thing on the shelf for me, but that's probably <laughs> a, an argument and a discussion for another time. Um, I, I, just moving towards the end of this this segment, but uh, is it Chelsea's to lose now? The Premier League, yeah. Probably.
2: I,
1: I think it's Chelsea's to lose since about the first of November.
0: True, yeah. Uh, uh, the city of City of have shown in you know spits and starts that they've got real quality, but you know Aguero looks like he's not. Any more, any longer, that the main man, and you know, the, an aging sort of midfield in terms of Silvers, you know, knocking on a little bit. Yaya Toure is obviously, you know, mid to mid thirties, heading towards mid thirties. I think Pep will have a, have a little bit of a clear out at the end of the season. Is that fair to say?
1: I think so. I think that they've got to they they have to make some changes uh, to to bring in some younger players and to also get the depth that. That the, it takes to win the Premier League because of the fixture congestion in uh, in January. Uh, the, Conte managed that beautifully, uh, but uh, Pep and uh, Jurgen Klopp, uh, both of their you know, both you know both European managers, both with tremendous amounts of success, didn't handle January very well.
0: And will Joe Hart come back? Do you think? Have you been monitoring him in uh, in the Italian game, Harry? I know you
1: team keen team that. Uh, Hart's played well in uh, in Torino, but I. Uh, I, I my thought is I think that Guardiola is going to try to sell him and uh, perhaps buy another uh, buy another keeper uh, that uh, he just does not he doesn't feel like Joe Hart's the kind of goalkeeper that he wants but Claudio Bravo uh, needs to st- stop some shots it's not <laughs> it's not the sexiest thing that goalkeepers do but that it it, it it helps uh, uh, catch the ball every once in a while
0: that's perhaps where they're going wrong mate. Like. Let me do in the goalkeeper coach. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Catch the ball, then we'll talk about anything else that you could have done.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, we're going <laughs> to take another short break. And we'll be back uh, in a moment to talk a little bit about development.
1: Welcome to the third part of our uh, Summit Soccer podcast. Our first one. Uh, this segment, we're going to speak about uh, about development. Uh, some of the issues uh, facing players as they as they try to reach the uh, the Premier League level, the, the international level. Um, And uh, a a question that I had as we were talking about the the Cypress Cup uh, uh, earlier in uh, segment one, Helen, Uh, with the young players uh, coming in, uh, what what do you see that they have that uh, that you wish you had 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 at at 15, at 18, at 22?
2: In terms of what they've got in in themselves Uh, or what they what they get? provided for them if you like in terms of Uh, what they what
1: they have in themselves what the you know technically their their understanding of the game uh and i guess that also goes into what they're provided with uh because uh certainly the opportunities are are increasing rapidly in the women's game uh, uh but in the youth game generally
2: yeah of course uh the first thing you'd have to say is they've got something to aim for in terms of professional football when I was 16, I just played football because I liked playing football. There was never any sort of thinking behind it or anything like it. I was still paying to play football for another five years after my 16th birthday. So that that sort of thing is something they've all got. And, and with that, I suppose, comes maybe a, an extra determination, um, maybe a bit more application to try and make it into the professional game if you like um that's not to say that when I was younger we didn't have that sort of determination to be the best we could but of course you had other priorities and and things taking up a part of your life where you had to think about other careers so it's they've all got opportunities that I never had um there's there's academies all over the country now there's there's places they can go. They can train four, five, six times a week if they want, rather than the two, or, two or three times I was getting. Um, so in terms of that, they've got they've got lots to look forward to and, and lots to get their their heads stuck into, if you like. And and I think that's that's the biggest difference between when I was coming through and, and those that are coming through now.
1: The uh, the players that are that are coming in now that uh, uh, that. Uh you played uh, played in the game against uh, against Scotland. How do you, uh, as as one of the senior members of the team, as the the leading goal scorer uh, in the uh, in the squad, how do you, when you're sitting on the bench, uh, help them help them to to see the game, to understand sort of uh, what it takes to play international football? Because even with everything that they're given, I, I would think it's a massive change from from playing even at a place like uh, like Bristol. Uh, playing in the w s l to stepping up and playing internationally
2: of course and and Amina who I mentioned before the fifteen year old she 's actually still only playing under sixteen level for her club, so she 's not even playing senior level <laughs> in in Bristol, so the step from that up and up to senior international level is is huge it 's something that I never ever did or came close to doing, so for her to do that is phenomenal and um, and I just had to keep reminding her how far she's come. She was, you know, getting a bit frustrated that she wasn't getting too much game time. Not that she expected to, but I think being away that long and not being on the football pitch too much is is probably quite hard to take when you're you're used to playing, you know, every minute of your club games and and games at under-17 level. So it was more a case of appreciating how well they've done to get where they are. And to remind them not to have expectations that are, are beyond realistic, if you like. Um, she actually missed her penalty and was devastated by it. But we all rallied round her and told her what an amazing thing it was for her to even step up, you know, in a game. OK, there wasn't anything substantial riding on it. It's a, it's a friendly tournament and it was case fishing. I think, fifth or sixth. So it wasn't to win the tournament or anything like that, but for her to have the guts to put her hand up when you've got players on 70 or gaps that didn't want to take a penalty, I think, speaks volumes. So it was more a case of reminding them where they are rather than anything else. And and they're all good kids and and they, they kind of already look at the older players to learn from them and they're constantly asking questions and that's where you can ask from them. They seem to want to learn. And, and if they continue in that way, then that's going to serve them the best they can. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working with, uh, uh, with players here in the States, uh, the, the thing that I've seen that ultimately limits a player's development more than anything else is those players that, that feel like they, like they do deserve every minute on the pitch, And they don't have to justify that, that they don't they don't feel like they have anything to learn, that those are the players that no matter how good they are at 14, at 16, uh, you're not seeing them play when they're when they're 20. They're they're 22. Uh, And there are some players that that turn the corner uh, that uh, that really do understand what it takes to reach the uh, the next level. Uh, uh, Franny Krause, a woman who plays for uh, Penn State, uh, just won uh, a national championship. After her first week at uh, at Penn State, uh, she had scored bags of goals as a youth player, uh, and I'd seen her play as a youth player. And frankly, I didn't think much of her. I thought she was a one. Uh, I thought she was a one trick pony. But uh, she, uh, Erica Walsh, the coach at Penn State, saw something in her. Franny came back from her first uh, week in uh, at camp and said, "I don't know anything about the game of soccer," <laughs> and just to have that realization and and she and Erica both of them did tremendous work and she was an, she was an impact player as a freshman and then has, has won a national championship moving, uh, moving forward, which, uh, uh, it, you know, national championship in in women's collegiate soccer in the U S is, that's a very high, a very high yeah. level. Uh, but how many players have the, can, uh, can put aside the ego of I'm so great to be able to say, I've got a lot to learn. And, uh, I've I've got massive respect for Franny Krause because of uh, because of what she said, and and then it's once you met, she said that, everything that she did afterwards I think uh, sort of just follows along in that.
2: Yeah, it, of course I think it's it's going to be hard for a kid that's obviously got a lot of talent and always being told how great they are and standing out in youth level football to then be put up into an environment where they're the, they're the small fish in the big pond if you like to to be a bit cliche, um, you don't want them to go too far the wrong way and think, oh, you know, I, I'm not good enough. It's too big a step. But at the same time, like you say, they can't go in thinking, well, I've already made it. I've been told how good I am for so long. So for her to come back and, and say she knows nothing about the game of, of soccer, I think is is brilliant. And it's it's a realisation and a, an a admission that it's probably hard for a lot of people to to come out with, and probably a lot of people wouldn't do it. So fair play to her, and that's going to stand her in fabulous stead for the future. And you know, she's I'm sure she's going to go on to achieve lots of great things in in football or soccer, should I say? And um, yeah, if if more players could be like that at, at a young age, then it's going to it's going to put them in a good place, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the biggest reason why people don't become what they should become is because of their attitudes. Is because Young players who are good young players get to 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, maybe have had a, a lot of success. Have got into first teams. Have played football at young ages and maybe won tournaments, one get at one uh, divisions, one leagues. And they think that's it and that's easy. And then they don't really ever fulfil their potential. Um, you know, and, and players get to 26, 27, 28, 29, and they have still got potential. You know, at some stage it's got to be realised. And an attitude is something that you can't give somebody it's something that you can help them with obviously but at the end of the day it comes from themselves it comes from the people around and the parents um the, the the information they're being told and they're being given um and it, and it starts before that as well it starts from you know when they first kick a football you know from when they're you know i've got you know young young um children who are, who are trying to you know make their way um in 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 football clubs and, um, or, and and it's all about their attitude even at you know six seven years old it's about wanting some kids to go out and improve and doing that little bit extra and it's hard to to, to, to drum into people um at young ages but nothing's ever got you know without putting in the, the you know the hard mile and um it's for me it comes from the people that are around them and the people that are giving them the advice and nine times out of ten that's going to be your parents and and I, and I think that's a massive, massive impact on, on things as a parent, and I think that's something that you see firsthand, Harry, isn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, it, it was interesting uh, in December working with the uh, Southampton Academy, being over at Staplewood, and uh, the things that uh, that coaches complain about there are the same thing that coaches complain about everywhere. Uh, it's uh, uh, attitudes of parents and uh the uh co- uh assessments at coaching courses so it was it w- it was a bit of a giggle for me that uh that okay yeah total totally different environment it's uh so much more professional the 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 standards are higher for the uh, for the younger players and yet we all still have the same complaints uh parents and and coaching assessments so um interesting
0: one because at the end of the day you know parents they they just want the best for their kids but you know, it's one of them. Sometimes the best thing is just to shut up and, and you know, let, let the people get on. Even if, you know, I go and watch my son. He's, you know, he's in at Burnley under sevens and I've never shouted one thing on from the side. Um, it's not my place to do that. I don't know what's being told to them in the dressing room by the coach. I don't know whether the coach wants him to run with the ball. I don't know whether the coach wants to pass on the ball. I don't know if he wants to play at the back. He play in the middle. I'm standing next to parents and they're shouting for him to do this and do that. Well, it, you know, with all due respect, they don't know what they're being told to do. So, um, they can, you know, it's hard because parents only want the best for their child and their, and their you know, their son or daughter, but, um, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. You've got all this to come, Helen, haven't you?
2: I have, yes. Um, I actually had Emily kicking a ball around with me in the park today and, you know, she's not got a bad little left foot on her, which is good, she's, but oh, no, I'd, I'd like off. to, <laughs> I know where that's come from because it's certainly, certainly not me or her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, if if she does go on to play football, I'd like to think I'd I'd be one of the parents that kept quiet and you know support as much as I can, but yes. but not give too much information that could contradict or confuse the players. So no, I think parents play such a, a huge role in in the development of their kids, and you know there's there's a fine balance between too much praise and not enough. So yeah, I'd I'd like to think I'd be in the same sort of boat as you, Andy. Mm-hmm. I
0: can't, but it's um... I think it's with everything in life, isn't it? It's not just football. It's you've got to be there and be supported as much as you can, and not pushing and just um, of course uh, do what you can. And I think them.
1: with uh, with coaches uh, that it's it's very easy to to in youth development. I think it, it becomes all too easy to fall into the trope of uh, the the parents are a problem. Uh, and like you say, the the players that are able to make that jump to to the next level whatever the next level is uh you know be it you know going from under sevens to to playing 11 a side football from playing at a high level of youth to 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 playing professionally to to playing internationally is having those parents that are that are telling them the right things that mm-hmm. uh that uh, about rewarding them for for the effort and doing the work because uh, as you say you know parents wants what's best for their kids and so as a coach you have to you have to reach that and you know and 98 percent of the the population that all they want is what's best for their kid and they might think that it is i'm shouting instructions to them from the sideline and that's not the best thing for them. now two percent of the population is just crazy uh but but even the two percent they need some love too so uh you have to deal with that as a as a uh as a, a development coach and use the parents as partners and i'm here to i'm here to coach your kid you need to be there to to support and love your kid and together we're going to produce the best environment uh that we possibly can for for your child to reach the next level uh, kind of simple not easy but it is kind of simple
0: it is simple but it's 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 certainly not implemented everywhere but it's a fantastic point you make make harry definitely Um, we're going to take a short break, when we come back um, we're going to be talking about the Spring Series, WSL 1 WSL 2 has already kicked off and uh, we're going to be having a chat about so uh, stay with us
2: Hello and welcome back to the Summit Soccer podcast, Um, this section we're going to talk about the Spring Series in both FA WSL 1 and 2 WSL 2 has already kicked off but we'll talk about that in a moment for now we'll start off with WSL 1 and how we think teams are going to take to the spring series it's obviously a a transitional phase between, between the two seasons um the biggest talking point so far is is Carly Lloyd coming over and signing for Man City I believe she arrived today um to meet her teammates for the first time. They've obviously got the Champions League in mind with that signing, but she's only here for six months. Um, so it would be interesting to see how she takes to the league and what sort of effect it has on the team that she's coming into because a lot of those girls will obviously have players in the England squad in mind for the Euro. So, Harry, I don't know if you know much about Carly Lloyd as she's coming over from the States. What Do you know much about her character and, and, and what you think she's going to bring to City?
1: The... Uh... I've never met Carly, but the uh, the reputation that she uh, that she's always carried with her is very much of a very much of a team player, uh, and and very much somebody who makes the players around her better. What's
0: the best which, position? Uh, Where does she play? Uh,
1: She's probably best at a little bit advanced in the midfield. Uh, she's uh, she's played a little bit uh, a little bit deeper for most of her uh, most of her career. But I think she's actually a little bit better uh, as a uh, as a ten, uh, and that's where she's made the the most impact when when she has gone uh, when she has gone forward a little bit.
0: It's interesting, you're right, Helen, because people you know like Izzy Christiansen, for example. You know, is she going to have a you know knows Pushed out in front of you know she's she's going to be mm-hmm. striving to be in the Euros and um, it's how they're going to take and now she's going to come and make you know impact the squad. Um, it's whether the, obviously the manager signs players without thinking that because that's not what he's interested in, isn't he? He's interested in um, you know winning the Champions League and winning the FA Cup, but you know it's it's probably going to impact a bit more than that, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think as you said, his his priority is going to be. Manchester City and and how they do in the immediate and not too distant future, but you don't want it to have too much of a negative impact on some of your players who are going to be there for the long run. Uh, you know, if you upset them, are they likely to more likely to to leave the club before you've achieved what you want to? So it's it's an important part of his management, and it'd be interesting to see how he deals with it. And that's sort of why I brought it up because I think it's it's a really interesting part of you know the season it's a similar situation at Arsenal um where they've signed Heather O'Reilly for a Mm -hmm. similar amount of time and the impact that sort of has on her so on Arsenal sorry and the players around them so it's good I'm really intrigued as to how teams are going to take to the spring series and and I've thought about it long and hard and I'm still nowhere closer to to thinking about how it's going to go and whether teams are going to use it as a development thing, as yeah. trying out new things. or
0: It is interesting because, you know, those kind of sites, you know, for me, I thought I was looking at it and looking, thinking, right, it's almost going to be a prolonged pre season. It's going to be a sort of mini tournament, which, you know, clubs are going to use it as a development, as almost a trial period for players to settle them in, to bed them in. There's no relegations, mm-hmm. so there's, you know, there's no real, nothing to win really, or, or nothing to lose really, you know, every game. Probably as a player, looking at it and thinking, right, I need to go and play well for nine games here and get myself ready for the for the season um, and be ready to play in the team in the season. And um, but you know, when you, when people are thrown into the mix, you know, like like the, the signings you've just mentioned, um, it does make it a little bit more interesting. Or is it just that, you know, Manchester really going to make a tilt on the um, on the champions? Of, um, it uh, it throws up that question, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's every team is in a very unique situation i think the likes of ourselves at Yeovil and on bristol city it's a chance to see where we're at against the teams we're going to play against with as you said the pressure of relegation uh St. underland they're going down to part time how can they deal with that and is it is it sustainable in the long run they get to have a little preview of, of how they do as a part time team and you know and then you've got the teams sort of sort of in the middle the reddings Notts County, Birmingham's, who aren't expected to challenge for a title, but can they take a few more risks to see how far they need to go mm. to perhaps push for those top two places? It's it really is going to be interesting, and, and and I'm excited to see how it all turns out. To be honest, do
0: you think do you think obviously Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, three of them are going to be up there? Um, Man City favourites probably.
2: I think it's hard to look past the three of them. the signings they've made, the money mm. they've invested, the the support they get from from the men's side of their club so yeah I expect it to be between those three if I had to pick one right now yeah I'd probably go with Man City just because of the way they won the, the title last year but I do think Chelsea are going to give them a, a huge run for their money this year and I think the, the title could well go down to a, the Limes. not so much in the spring series but looking further ahead into mm-hmm. next season assuming there's You know, the same sort of teams are going to be up there. I can't imagine too much changing in the summer. I think a lot of teams will want to get most of their business done early on. Um, So, yeah, I think I'd go with Man City, but I do think Chelsea will run the
0: most. WSL 2 has obviously kicked off already. Uh, Durham, Everton, Donny have started recently. Um, Your former club, Watford, um, new manager, Do you know Keith at all?
2: I don't know of him personally, but obviously I've played against teams that he's been mm. in charge of uh, throughout my career, both at club level, and I also came up against Estonia when he was over there, um, and he did a fabulous job with those, mm-hmm. with with that nation. You know, they gave us a really good game at a time when they'd they'd come on loads. He'd been, I think, he'd been with them for a couple of years when we played them, and you could see how much better they were under him than before. Um, I've always been a big fan of his. I think he's a he's a top manager and, and I'm surprised it's taken this long for him to come home, if you like. Um, and I was especially surprised to see him turn up at Watford with the stories I'd heard that perhaps they were in trouble. So it's great to see him um, taking on the reins there. And I think they got a, a brilliant point against Durham yesterday um, mm. to get their first point this season. Durham looked really strong. They had a great season last year and they looked to be you know, one of the top teams in WSL two this season. They've obviously played more games than I think the likes of Everton and Doncaster. Again the fixtures seem to be a bit all over the place. Donnie only played their first league game yesterday when other teams have played four. So it's a bit up and down, but the teams you'd expect to be at top I think will be come the end of the spring series. The likes of Darr Everton, Doncaster. But also London Bees are up there and they've had a start. Which is good to see because they they went through it for a couple of years in the first few years of WSL2, but they've got Dave Edmondson in charge and he seems to have steadied up quite considerably and, and brought in some good players with experience and some younger players who who are all playing very well. And, and it's good to see it. You know, they're fairly local to me, so it's nice to see a, a local team doing well and, and hopefully they can be up there competing with, with the best teams and, and pushing for promotion come, you know, next season or the, the proper season, if you like. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's Again, it's going to be an interesting league, and the standard seems to be going up every season in WSL two, which is great. And, and teams that are coming to it, it looks like it could be Blackburn from the north, or maybe Tottenham coming up from the south.
0: I think they've um, just announced as a playoff, isn't
2: it? Yeah, there should be a playoff between the two winners, and then you know of those. And obviously, there's a couple more in contention in the southern uh, southern yeah. uh, national, if you like. Um, but I think if any of the teams that are, are at the top of those two leagues will will do well in WSL two, mm. and like Brighton, they'll add um, add strength
0: to the league, which is great. I think um, it's good to see. I mean, you mentioned Dave Edmondson there; he did a fantastic job, didn't he, at Bristol City? Obviously, taking over from um, from Mark Sampson, didn't he? Um, and, and kept them on. Am I thinking of the right person? Am Yes,
2: yes, yeah. he did, and, and them it on was a tough
0: into the Champions League, didn't he?
2: Yeah, it was obviously a tough role to take over after mm. Mark had done such a, a fantastic job, and you know they they lost players as well after Mark mm. left. So he did he did have to steady the ship a little bit, and and it was hard for him to do that. Um, I don't think it went probably as well as it could have towards the end of his time at Bristol. But no. as I said, it was it was a hard hard act to follow, um, and he's Definitely. obviously got experience. I've heard good things about him yeah, his time same. in New Zealand and and various places around the world. So. It's no surprise to see him doing well at London Bees, and and I think he's got players wanting to play for him and, and playing well.
0: And it's great to see that type of manager in you know in, in WSL 2 The same same as Keith at uh, Watford. You know that type of manager being there and done that, and um, and then you've got you know the youth, your youth the younger managers, likes of. Um, of, of Emma Coates at Donnie Donny Bells, who was um, reserve team manager at Leeds when I was manager at Leeds, and she's, she knows uh they didn't have a great season last year, but um, I spoke to her at length a, a few weeks ago, and, um, she you know, she's dead keen, you know, to, to, to take him back up, obviously, um, at the end of the 2017-18 season, and they're staying full-time, which is a massive bonus for her, and um, she feels, you know, it can be... Um, it, you know they can get back to their former glories because they were a fantastic club for such for such a long time and such an influential club at the top end of the of, of, the, of the Premier Division as it was then. Um, but it's great to see you know these managers who are getting their opportunities, um, female managers as well, which is important I think that, to have them in the game as well. Young female manager Zoe Johnson at, at Sheffield as well. She's she's another one cutting her teeth um, in the WSL two, Someone you know well Harry as well, isn't she? Harry Harry okay let me just see if i can get harry back um, seems to have uh, seems to have left us temp- temporarily but uh, no i mean as i say um uh zoe at uh sheffield um was again a young coach when i was at preston and and she's uh you no, know, she's doing a you know, a, a very good job there. Um is is that something you've ever thought about, Helen, at once once your career is finished, ever ever stepping into the uh, the technical area?
2: Possibly. I'm not sure I'm cut out to be a manager. I wouldn't mind being a coach or assistant. Um but I don't know if I'd like the pressure of being a manager and, and the decisions they have to make. Mm. I've had enough moans about managers of my own in the past. Mm. So I'd uh, I'm not sure I'd like to be on the receiving well, it's end. A long of way that, away it is, you know, I've got a few years left in me hopefully on the pitch so but no it's something like you said it's great to see manager of that caliber coming into WSL two because it, it shows the strength of the league I think don't know too much about second divisions around Europe and the world but it'd be nice to think that in this country we've got one of the stronger second tiers in women's football and and if that can go from strength to strength, it's only going to make the the top league even stronger as well. So, it's good to have two really competitive leagues at a good level. Uh, it means in cup, cup competitions, hopefully you get some really competitive games between between teams, you know, from from either either league. And you know, I'm really looking forward to the Liverpool Everton game next weekend in the FA Cup. I think that'll be a really good game, and Everton obviously will have a lot of match fitness behind them and a lot of confidence and Liverpool will be looking to, to kick their season off with a win. So I think it will be a good gauge of how close the leagues are becoming. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really good to see the, the strength across both divisions now.
0: Harry, are you back with us? Yes. What happened there? Some kind of um, American drop-in signal?
1: yeah uh conducting uh conducting a podcast from three locations on two continents uh sometimes we do have a little bit of technical issues but uh <laughs> but we are back
0: i think we should call it something like an englishman a welsh woman and a, and a yank or something like that <laughs> um so yeah so exciting times wsl2 one underway it seemed, you know interesting to see how that goes wsl1 uh we'll be uh obviously reporting back on uh on a weekly basis um, from this point forward um, and obviously keep in touch with that. Obviously, Helen, um, at Yeovil now, is it, uh, you know, just just very quickly, What what is the aim of the, of the sort of spring series for you personally and for Yeovil? Uh,
2: for Yeovil as a, as a team and a club, it's to put the marker down as to where we are as a, as a team and, and find out exactly where we stand against those that we're going to come up against in the regular season. I think we go out without any fear. We try and develop new playing styles. We try and develop a, a way that of playing that, that's going to get us results. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an exciting season for us and no pressure going into the spring. So we're all looking forward to get going, I think.
1: Well, uh, that uh, we'll certainly look forward to those developments. Uh, that we'll be talking about that and a lot more here on uh, the future so- Summit Soccer podcast uh, next week. We'll uh, hopefully have a uh, have a guest, so we can do this from uh, four locations on two continents. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it, and uh, that uh, we will see you. Uh, we will see you next time. So
0: thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Summit Soccer podcast. Uh, if you've got any feedback for us, any questions you'd like to ask Helen, Harry, or myself please feel free to do so via social media. Our Twitter account is at Summit Soccer Sol. Our Facebook account is at Summit Soccer Solutions. And we'd be delighted to answer any of your questions on our next episode of the Summit Soccer Podcast, where hopefully we should have a guest uh, on to answer some of your questions. Please look out on our social media um, portals throughout the week to see who that's going to be. Um, but we'll be here same time, same place next week. Thank you for joining us, and goodbye.